Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Everybody doing good this morning? A bunch of smiling faces. Hey, well, uh, my name is Chris. I am uh, been here. I am. I have been here for about two months right on now. Uh, great state of South Carolina. I'm loving it so far besides uh, the humidity kind of gets to me still. Texas doesn't have that. We got that dry heat and uh, no humidity. But before we start, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce myself and then also uh, my beautiful wife. A lot of y'all have just don't see us because uh, typically Sundays we have a, a middle school service that we do for our middle schoolers over there in the student building. And then, um, so you don't get to see us. You don't get to see my wife. You don't get to see myself. So I just want to take a second and introduce myself. And then my wife right here, Rachel, this is Rachel. Rachel can just kind of stand up. She's, she's so cool. She's the better half of me. Yeah. Go, Rachel. Rachel and I are uh, 17 weeks pregnant. 17 weeks pregnant. So yeah, amen. Kids are fun. I don't have one yet, but this will be our first. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm a little nervous. This is actually the month that we find out uh, if it's a boy or a girl. And have you ever just thought about that, how crazy that is? Like at one moment, we were all babies. And at one moment, our parents were like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? I don't know. But there's only two options, so it can't get much crazier than that. But seriously, have you ever thought about that? How crazy is that? Like right now, we're like counting down the days. I think we have like 15 more days, I think, till we go to the doctor and we get to find out this Oh, man, this, like, thing that stresses me out more than anything is, like, will it be a boy? Because, like, secretly, it's not a secret, I'm telling you now. But secretly, I'm, like, praying for a boy because I'm just, like, I want a boy first so he can, like, protect the girl and, you know, do all the manly things. And I can teach him how to play football and baseball. And I just want a boy first. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. If it's a girl, I'm still going to be excited to all the ladies in the house. Uh, You're not a disappointment. I love you. Um, I definitely definitely would be just as happy for our little beautiful daughter. Either one, as long as it's healthy, I'm, I'm happy about it. But uh, we're, we're uh, 17 weeks into this thing or so. So January, come January, Rachel will be like really big. So just like watch yourself if you've got like elbows and stuff. Um, <laughs> everybody's got elbows. But seriously, like I can't wait. I'm so excited. Her stomach's starting to show too. So it's a little, little nerve wracking. I'm like when we're entering places. And I know, I mean, some of us in here have had babies, obviously. Um, but you know somebody who's pregnant, like you kind of treat it like it's a special care package. You're like no one get near her. That's how I am. I'm like, watch out, Rachel. Come on, we're going through a door. Like, I go through the door. I check for people. Like, I'm like, Rachel, come on. You're good. You're good. You're good. So the closer we get to that day, the more protective I'll be of her. And um, I'm super excited, so I can't wait. This morning, I'm really excited because we're starting a new series, our Together series. Uh, I know we just got out of a really awesome 16 or so weeks of Romans. Everybody loves Romans. Amen. If you don't, if you don't know everything about Romans now, now you do because we just spent a good time in there. Um, it was good, and uh, this, starting this week, we're talking about together, and we're going to talk about the early, the early church, and we're going to look at the early church um, and what they did, how they, how they came together, how they meshed, how they worked, they prayed, they did everything together. And that's going to be the whole, the whole idea behind this series is we're all in this together. Before we dive in, I want us to understand something, something that is beginning to happen. There's this idea that you can love Jesus but not love the church. There's this idea that you can love Jesus but not support the church, that you can even love Jesus but hate the church because you don't agree with them. And I would fundamentally disagree with that. It's in Matthew 16, 18 where Jesus even says, the gates of hell will not prevail against her. So Jesus knew that there would be a moment. Jesus knew there'd be a time when there's all this controversy and scandal and all these things happening in the church. But he knew that we had a lover, that we had to take care of her, that we had to come together, that we had to do it all together, and that not even the gates of hell could come against her. Amen? I'm grateful for that kind of church. See, this morning, we can't, we can't ignore the fact that the church does have issues. There are some things in the church that are happening that we're like, well, I don't agree with this, and I don't agree with that. Amen? Anybody got disagreements? Um, but we can't ignore her. 
We can't forget about it. We can't skip church on Sundays and go, I'm good. I don't need that this Sunday. I'm just going to do my own thing. And this morning, I want to remind us, I want to talk about how important the church is because it's what Christ died for. It's what Jesus gave his life for so that one day, 2,000 years later, we could sit in a room like this and enjoy the church. See, God is still using the church today all across the world, even in our own backyard right here at Faith Assembly. Every day, every week, God is doing great things in the church. Everybody wants to point out all the bad, but no one wants to talk about all the good. See, I can personally tell you from my own experience in being here for these two months that God is doing great things here at Faith, and God is doing great things at churches down the street, and God is doing great things all across South Carolina and into the U.S., but we want to look at all these bad things. But this morning, I want to focus on the church and how good it really is. See, that in mind, I know Christians have almost even become known for their their T-shirts and their bumper stickers And all these things that represent us. And then we've even become known for our hypocrisy. We've become known for lying. For all these different things of, oh, well, I live for Jesus on Sunday, but not Saturday. I'll go to church on Sunday, but Saturday night's my night. That's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. And this morning, we need to ask ourselves some questions. How do we get back to being like the early church? How do we get back to being unified? How do we get back to loving each other? How do we get back to stop looking at the things that separate us, but the one thing that connects us, which is Jesus? See, if you open your Bibles this morning, Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Just time out really quick. They ate together and they weren't mad about it. They ate together and they enjoyed it. It wasn't a burden, it was a blessing. We'll keep going. See, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we get to come together in this church. Lord, we ask that today, whatever words I say, whatever things come out of my mouth, God, they are your words. God, that this message is for somebody. This message is for the church, God. This message is for us. And God, that today you will... Open our hearts and open our eyes to what you have for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything that you're doing. Amen. Amen. See, the book of Acts is an amazing book. Acts itself even comes from the Greek word praxis, which basically is a fancy word for its apostles or significant writings. And this morning... Acts gets to teach us and remind us not just of all the great deeds that were done in the chapter with the Holy Spirit and everything of that nature, but it's the book in the Bible that shows how the church was formed, how the church came together, how the church grew. And it gives us an account of what started out as a small group of fearful believers, of people that were scared, scared of their life. (laughs) They were scared for their life, for believing in Jesus, to this powerful group of believers that took on the Roman Empire, that took on the world and took on the name of Christ and did it boldly. That's why I love Acts. But my biggest question has always been, how did they do that? How did they go from bold to the greatest conquerors of faith? How did they go from scared to walking in power? How did they go from this small group to such a large group? How did the church multiply from uh, 150 people to 3,000 people? Oh, and that was in one day. How How did that happen? And you can read in the beginning of the scripture, you can read how they were cheerful, they devoted themselves, and they they loved each other. That's how they did it. So I think it's safe to say that we would love to be like the early church. I think it's safe to say that we would love to have the family. We would love to have the unity. We would love to have the same things that the early church had. Am I right this morning? 
Would you want that? Well, we have to ask ourselves and we have to look at how they did it. How did they do it? What were they devoted to that made this happen? What were they so focused on that helped this church grow and multiply and not just be a bunch of believers coming together in a building, but a family coming together to worship the Lord that they believed in? What was it? If you have your notes this morning and you're following with with us, your first point is they were devoted to Christ. They were devoted to Christ. Now, I know that sounds a little basic and maybe even you've heard it over and over again. It's a little simple, but it's true. They were devoted to Christ. They were devoted to Jesus. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. They believed that what Jesus did was right, and they followed it. There wasn't this mentality of, well, Wednesday nights I'll go to church. I'll go to youth. It's all good. But then Thursday, Thursday's my day. Friday's my day. Saturday I sleep in. I do this. Sunday I'll go to church. It's God's day. Just because the Lord took his Sabbath on that one day doesn't mean it's the only day that you're supposed to worship him. It's okay, we're gonna, you're gonna, it's okay if you respond with me. It's okay if you get excited, because I'll get excited. You you ain't gotta fake it, we'll get there, don't worry. The Lord's gonna move today, I believe it, I believe it. See, we have the luxury of knowing the gospel stories. We have the luxury of knowing that Jesus went up to the disciples, James and John, and he asked them, he said, hey, follow me. Hey, follow me. And what did they do? They dropped their nets immediately. Now, they dropped their nets immediately. They didn't sit there and go, well, Jesus, what about, what about my money? How much am I going to make doing this? Well, what about my time? Like, am I going to get more time with my family? What are the benefits? What's, what's the health benefits on this, Jesus? Like, I know I get eternity, but what's, what else do I get? They didn't do that. They literally just dropped their nets and said, all right, Jesus, let's go. Where are we going? And they had no idea the power. They had no idea the things that were about to happen because of this decision that they made. They had no idea that Jesus was about to change the entire world and flip it upside down with these 12 young men. They had no idea. They didn't know that Jesus was this great Messiah yet. They just trusted him. They just dropped their nets and followed him. See, the word disciple, it even means they were a student or an apprentice of him. Now, I don't know about anybody in here who went to technical school or you were like a, maybe you work on AC units and all these different things, but you have to do a certain amount of hours as an apprentice. You have to do a certain amount of hours of shadowing somebody and learning from them. You have to watch them before you do anything. You have to watch them to learn how do you actually put these things together? How do you take it apart? How do you fix what's broken? You have to watch them do it. That's what the disciples were. They were students They were apprentices. They would watch Jesus do all these great things. Jesus even said in Luke 6, 40, he said, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. See, the whole point of Jesus' disciples, the whole point of him calling them, the whole point of him getting them to come do this mission that he had was so that they could continue what he was starting. Was so that 2,000 years later when we were sitting in a church, we would understand what it looked like to be like Jesus because Jesus didn't just do it, but 12 other young men did it. That was the point of the disciples. Not about all the amazing things they would do or all the cool things that they would do, but because we could see that even Jesus said, you will do greater things than I would do. And if we believe that, if we know that Jesus did that, then we should know that we have the power to heal. We have the power to walk with him in boldness and and be a light to this community. See, there's a story in the Bible, and it's it's a perfect example of this. We see Jesus going to see this daughter, Jairus' daughter. He's walking into a house. Let me paint the picture for you. He walks into this house, and he's like, he takes some of his disciples with him. He takes Peter. We'll use Peter on this one. So he takes Peter, and I think John was even with him, and they walk into this house, and they, and they look at Jarius, and everybody's sad. Everybody's crying because his daughter's dead. His daughter is dead, and she's laying there, and everybody's like, she's dead. We'll miss her. Oh, man, I guess we'll get a funeral ready. Who's going to cook the food? Who's going to start having all these conversations? But then Jesus is like, no, 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 she's not dead. She's just asleep. So you know what it says in the Bible? They laughed at Jesus for saying that. They laughed at Jesus. They go, ha, 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 Jesus, you're funny. First off, if I'm Jesus, I would have like, I'd have shown them what's up. But I wasn't Jesus. There's a reason why, because I'm not the Messiah. I'm just like a disciple. I'm not perfect. I just follow him, okay? 
Um, but if you even look in the scripture right here in Mark 5, verse 40, after he put them all out, he told the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. See, if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'm going, girl, get up. She gets up and she starts to move. I'm like, yeah, who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? But he didn't do that. He just went about his day. He just went on being Jesus and loving people. But what's cool is if we fast forward to chapter 9 in Acts, we even see Peter who was there. He was being an apprentice. He was being a disciple, and he was watching Jesus. He was sitting there going, okay, Jesus, you're going to heal this lady? Okay, cool, cool. So we fast forward to Acts 9, and we see the same thing with Peter. He's in the same situation, and look what happens. Look what he does. Peter, he sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees, and he prayed, turning to the dead woman, dead woman, He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. See, the disciples didn't just follow Jesus. They learned to become like him. They shadowed him. They began to take notes on him. They began to go, Jesus, this is what you do? These were normal guys. These were normal people in the Bible. They were like you and me. The only thing that separated them is they walked in faith, knowing that God could do these great things through them. Knowing that they had the power of God in them. See, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times we try to go to the doctor for answers instead of the king for answers. A lot of times we try to, okay, you can say, here we go, come on. See, a lot of times we like to go to the doctor for answers instead of the king for answers. A lot of the times we need a blessing, we need a financial miracle, and we go to that. We go, well, can I take out a loan? Can I take out some more of this? Can I borrow some money? When your king has all the money, when your king has streets of gold that he walks on, that's the king that you serve. I think a lot of times we forget that. We forget that that's who we're following. See, why? Why do we, why do we follow Jesus? Why do, we, why do we believe in him so much? Why do we think this is the way? Because we can look in scripture and we can see that everything he did, everything he left behind, All the things he taught were things that he left for us. So 2,000 years later, when our sisters, when our moms, when our dads are sick, not so we can just throw a bunch of oil on them and slap them around, but so we could anoint them and say, in the name of Jesus, heal. In the name of Jesus, walk. And, And we forget that that's the God that we serve. We think our problems are too big for him. We think our ways are too high for him. We may not have the physical luxury that the disciples have where they were able to walk with him like this. They were able to talk with him like this. And there's even a moment in scripture where they get nervous and the disciples start getting scared. They start getting worried because Jesus has just told them, I'm leaving. I'm going to be with the Father. They're nervous about this. They're nervous because the Jesus they've been following is leaving. So what does he tell them? I love what Jesus tells them. He says, no, 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 don't worry. I'm leaving something greater. I'm leaving something that will comfort you. I'm leaving something that will hold you. I'm leaving something that will be there for you when no one else can be there. I'm leaving something there that has power. And see, what he leaves is the spirit of truth. See, John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Now, that sounds like a lot of he's and we's and will's, but what he's saying is, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit. See, you may not have walked with me on this physical level But there's a spiritual level that you don't even know about. That there's an empowerment that you don't even realize you have right now. That there's a depth, there's a well. And it's holy. And it's there for you. Not just for the disciples, but for you, for me, for my wife, for my future kids. The Holy Spirit is what he leaves. 
See, the more time the disciples spent with him, the more time they hung out with him, the more they became like him. The same thing is true for us. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we'll walk like Jesus. The more time we talk with Jesus and we pray in the spirit to Jesus is the more that we'll begin to talk like him. It says in Luke 45, it says that all out of the mouth is an overflow of the heart. This morning I'm asking you, is our hearts full of the spirit? Is our hearts full of what he has for us? Is our hearts full of his love, of his devotion, of his peace? That's what Jesus left was this peace that surpasses all peace. See, I know for me when, I'm young, when I was younger, I'm 24, I'm still young. What am I saying? <laughs> Most of y'all been living for Jesus longer than I've been alive. Um, but seriously, I remember being at an age and I struggled. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> I remember being at a young age and I remember, I remember thinking, I messed up. I blew it. I'm not going to be good enough to be used by God. I keep, I keep watching things I shouldn't watch. I keep doing things I shouldn't do. I keep saying things I shouldn't say. I keep drinking things I shouldn't drink. I keep smoking things I shouldn't smoke. God's never going to want to use me. And so I just wanted to quit. I wanted to throw in the towel and wave the white flag. But this morning, I'm here to tell you that you can't quit. You can't give up. And not because of anything that I can do or I can say, but because... The moment we quit, the moment we give up, the moment we pass up on an opportunity, you could be one day of obedience away from God doing something great. You could be one day, one moment away of loving somebody and God using that to glorify his name. See, there's a story in the Bible with Peter. I love Peter, in case you can't tell yet. I love Peter. There's a story with Peter. He's hanging out with Jesus and they're sitting there and they're talking and he's like, Jesus, I love you. I would never deny you. I got your back till I die. Jesus, you my boy and we are ride or die. That's what he's pretty much saying. I'm serious. He's saying this. Let me tell you how weak Peter is and how human he is. So Peter, not even a tad bit later, a little girl walks up to him and goes, hey, do you know Jesus? And he's like, no, I don't know Jesus. Jesus who? He big in my face. He denies Jesus three times. He denies Jesus three times. So what does he do? He feels like he blew it. He feels like he dropped the ball. He feels like he will not be good enough. But what separates Peter is he repented. And he goes, you know what, God? I denied you, but oh, I love you. I'm sorry. Make me more bold. Make me more strong so I can be, be, be used by you later. And what happens 50 days after that moment? 50 days later, let's fast forward what Peter does. Peter, he stands up in front of a group. A, it says a multitude, a mass of 3,000 plus people. And he stands up and he starts to proclaim the gospel. He starts to say, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. He healed people. He delivered the sick. He can take away the oppression and the depression. He can do all these great things if you trust him. So what happens on that day? It says 3,000 plus people accepted him. I want a little known fact here in the, in the Bible times. Now, I'm a little different. Women are completely equal in my eyes. I just want to say I love y'all. In the Bible times when they would record different things, they would record the men, like the men were represented. So you like represent your family or your household, whatever it was. You represent them. So when it says 3,000, that's like 3,000 men. So I imagine Peter standing up in front of this whole mass of people and going, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you and 3,000 men. But I'm not even counting how many kids, how many women, how many people stood up that also loved him, that also said, you know what? I want this Jesus you keep talking about. See, Peter, he could have been given up. He could have threw in the towel. He could have said, you know what? I'm not going to do this Jesus thing anymore. And look what would have happened he would have missed an opportunity for 3,000 people to know Jesus. For 3,000 people to encounter the Spirit of God. But because he didn't give up, because he didn't wave the white flag, God glorified him. God stepped up in that situation and used him. Amen. See, the early church, the disciples, they were devoted to Christ. But the second thing they were, 
They were devoted to doctrine. See, doctrine, if you're like me and you went to Bible college and it was great, but doctrine is a fancy word for teachings of someone or a series of people. Teachings of someone or a group of people. See, when I say they were devoted to doctrine, it even says in Acts 2.42, says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, a.k.a. doctrine. So, in fact, what Paul taught in Romans was exactly what Christ would teach. See, they didn't teach anything that Jesus didn't teach. When people asked them their opinion on things, he would only give the opinion of Christ. Because his opinion meant nothing. I'm going somewhere with this. Just stay with me. Okay? See, the church now, we got it twisted. We got it messed up. You can turn on the news and get on social media and what's happening. We're trying to redefine what love is. We're trying to reshape what love is. I'm here to tell you that when God created love and perfection, when God created it, it was already perfect. It doesn't need a vote. It doesn't need to go to Congress. It's already been made perfect. Now, see, the church, us, we've become too relaxed in that. I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to do this. There's a difference between stepping on toes and holding up what is truth. See, marriage, love, all these different things isn't up for debate. When God created it, when God put it in this, his word, when he did that, it was perfect. It didn't need our opinion. Hmm. See, the apostles, they taught what Christ would taught. They didn't throw in their own opinion, their own twist on things. They knew it wasn't needed. And many of us, if we threw in our opinion, we'd probably take Jesus out of it. We'd probably take his love out of it. Oh, someone cut me off? Honk, bad word, bad word, bad word. (laughs) Listen, South Carolina, I've been driving here for about two months now. What is wrong when it rains? Why does everybody freak out? I'm so serious. Listen, when it rains, when it rains in South Carolina, it's like everybody's like, hazards, I'm stopping. Doing nothing else. And that's really what I feel like. I just don't get it. Like, does the rain trap you in your car and... You can't drive. I don't get it. I just, I'm dumbfounded by it. I'm serious. See, Peter, even Paul, Paul gives a a warning in this letter to Timothy. And it says in 2 Timothy 4, 3, 5, it says, For the time will come, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, but you, the church, but us, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. See, what what he's saying right here, and I'll put this in English basic terms. There will be a time when people want to redefine love, when people want to redefine, is it okay to smoke? Is it okay to drink? All these different things. They want to hear things. They want to hear these things that tickles their ear. Not literally tickle, but literally sounds good to them. I want to hear what sounds good to me. I want to follow the Jesus that I want to follow. I want to follow the commandments. You only believe as much as the Bible as you live out. This morning, you can't sit here and say this smoking weed is up for debate. It's not. It says be sober in all things. You can't sit here and tell me, well, I can drink on Saturday. It's all good. No, no, no. It says be sober in all things. We can't tell me I can love this other person because it's true love. Be sober in all things. When he created it, when he made it, it was perfect. There was no need for us to come and adjust what God had already done. See, being devoted to doctrine this thing, the Bible, you should want to spend more time with this than you do on Netflix. You should want to spend more time with this than you want to on social media. You should want to spend more time on the, I'm about to get someone right here. You should want to spend more time with this than you do on the water, than you do in the bar, than you do in the club, than you do it anywhere else. This should be your priority. This is where your nose should be. This is where your eyes should be looking at. See, there's a man, David, in the Bible. I love David. Not just because he slayed some giant and did some crazy cool things for God. 
But David was known as a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but when I die, and I always tell my wife this, I say, Rachel, when I die on my tombstone, I want them to write, Chris was a man after God's own heart. All Chris wanted to do was live for the Lord. Now, Chris messed up. Chris dropped the ball. But man, did Chris love the Lord. Man, did Chris want to just be with God. And man, I know Chris is with God right now hanging out. But David, David was known as this. We see this in the longest chapter of the Bible. And I cut out just a little part of it because I wanted you to, I wanted you to see it and read it with me. See, it's in Psalms 119. It's verse 131 through 135. And it said, and I want you just to picture this because it creates such a beautiful picture of what loving the Lord is like. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word. Do not let anything have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your word. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your ways. See, David wasn't called a man after God's own heart for no reason. We see it right here where he's just going, God, I I long to hear your word. I long to walk with you. I'm thirsty just to spend time with you. I'm hungry for your truth. Shine your face upon your servant. David could have been like, well, I conquered Goliath. I did this today. I did this. I sent this many emails. I did this. I loved you, Jesus. I loved you. I deserve a special, special spot. But no, he didn't do that. David's heart was just longing to be with the Lord. David's time was just wanting to be with the Lord. David knew that spending time in this was more important than anything else. David knew that this is what he had to hold on to. The Bible, the word, God's breath. See, could you imagine what it would be like if we held on to this and we lived and died by this? Nothing would be up for debate anymore. Nothing would need our opinion anymore. We'd stop walking on our own ways and start walking in his. We'd stop living these selfish desires out and we'd start being selfless. Could you imagine what would it be like if we were truly disciples of Christ? If we were truly kingdom disciples? See, the early church... They were devoted to Christ. No ifs, ands, and buts. It wasn't about just Saturday and Sunday and Wednesday. Every day and every hour, they were devoted to Christ. They were devoted to sound doctrine. They were devoted to the word, and it needed nothing else. Just the words of God would do for them. And number three, they were devoted to fellowship. See, fellowship sometimes can have a negative connotation depending on who it's coming from. This morning... I want you to know that fellowship is not having a potluck and a dinner at your house because you're upset and you feel like you have to. That's not fellowship. It said when they used to come together, they would enjoy it. They would sell their possessions to help somebody. If their brother or sister in Christ was in need, they go, here, 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 what do I got? What can I give you? What can I give you? What can I do to help you? They didn't go, okay, well, he's a doctor, so only the doctor's at my house tonight. Um, Well, he's a teacher. They don't make as much, so they're not invited on this. No, no, no. Fellowship was about being a unified body of Christ, no matter what color you were, no matter how many tattoos you had, no matter how you dressed or what you look like, because they didn't look at that. See, the church now, we like to go, well, he wears a suit. Did y'all see Chris? He's wearing those tight pants. Did you see Chris? He's got a tattoo. Listen, the early church, and that's what we're trying to get back to, the early church didn't care what you look like. The early church didn't care if you had a six-pack or a 1,000 followers on Instagram or if you made the news for how much money you were making. The early church didn't care. They just saw it as, that's my brother. That's my sister in Christ. That's who I'm going to spend time with. They believed in fellowship. See, they believed that they needed each other. They believed that there was no such thing as doing it alone. That when you do things alone, it's not as fun. Living for the Lord is harder when you're alone. Being tempted is so much harder. Like when you're alone, you're just like, oh, I'm tempted. What do I do? You're alone. But when we're together, 
when we're a body of Christ that's unified, when we have dinner at our house and we're happy about it, when we can go have coffee and it's not just another coffee date because it's a burden, but we enjoy it. And one more thing that I loved about the fellowship is then they didn't care how old you were. They didn't care how old you were. Oh, Chris, you love the Lord and I love the Lord and I'm 96. Oh, well, come on, hang out. We'll have coffee again and talk about the Lord all day. See, the same God that they served in the Bible then is the same God that we serve now. So they didn't see this. Okay, well, he's 40 and African-American, so we're not going to hang out with him. That's not how it was. Or he's 18 and he's white. I don't know. He can't be in our group. It wasn't about that. See, what the church needs to do now is stop looking at the things that separate us and the thing that connects us. What the church needs to do now is begin to have fellowship together as if we are a body of Christ. Because I can tell you in heaven, it doesn't matter what color you are. You're in the same presence of the same God that I am. It doesn't matter how you dress. You're in the same presence of the same God that I am. It doesn't matter what you look like, how tall, how big, how much you can run or how fast you are or whatever. It doesn't matter. Because in the kingdom of God, we're all the same. In the kingdom of God, nothing separates us. So why do we let it now? The early church understood that. The early church got this idea that it wasn't about being separated. It's about being a family. There's nothing I love more than coming home and being with Rachel because I'm like, that's my family. She loves me. But then I can come to the church and there's so many great relationships I've already made. And even Pastor Larry, when I see him, he's like, hey, buddy, I love you. Like, he's just so nice. <laughs> I'm serious. There's, there's something about the church when we become a family that's just beautiful. When you can hug your brother and sister in Christ and go, man, they are praying for me. That's what we need to be. See, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Spur, that means encourage toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, that's a capital D approaching. Let me tell you what the day means. The day is the day when the Lord reveals himself to the entire world in a way like no other. The day is when the Lord approaches and he begins to make himself in flesh in the sky to all of people. Because then on that day, it won't matter what you look like. It says we'll return back to where we came from, dust. In case you didn't know, God picked you up, breathed life into you. And that's how you were created, everybody. And on that day as it approaches, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready that our hearts are together. That as the church, we've just not been a little bit of a movement that continued on from this early church. But we were a people that loved the Lord. We were people that go, you know what, I don't care how you, how you live. I still love you. Come to church. Be a part of this family. I don't care what you look like or how much money you make. Be a part of this family. Everybody's welcomed here. And it says to spur each other on. See, I think we hear enough of people saying, you're not doing good. Why are your grades so bad? Why'd you mess this up? Why'd you do that? We hear enough of that. You didn't make enough money. You didn't meet this, the status quo for us. We hear enough of that. What would happen if we walked into work? What would happen if we looked at our family? What would happen if we looked at our friends and said, man, I love you for being you. I love you because you're made in the image of God and God is so beautiful and so are you. What would happen if we embraced our brother and sister as if they were our brother and sister? What would happen? This world would look a lot different. See, in other words, we can't do this alone. We need each other. I can come here 9 to 5, 9 to 10, go to as many football games, be as many schools as I can, go to as many lunches and as many small groups, as many Wednesday nights, and put up as many lights and give away as much free pizza as I can. Too much pizza. But it means nothing if I'm doing it alone. It means nothing if I'm doing it by myself. Being a disciple, you were never meant to be lonely. You were never meant to feel alone. 
You were meant to be together. See, to put that in like a natural perspective, I know some of you are like me where you like to hear the correlation. And here's what I would correlate it with is you take two horses, you put them together. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know it can pull about 9,000 pounds. It's a lot of pounds. It's a lot of stuff. But then when you take two more horses with it, it can then pull 30,000 pounds. Now, not a math teacher, but you do the math. That's almost triple what it can do with just two when they come together. How much more could we do if we came together? How much more could we do if we stopped going, okay, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. This is your ministry on Saturdays. I'll do this on Tuesdays. All right, I'll feed the homeless. You do this, and we'll, we'll all do our own thing. What would happen if we stopped doing our own thing and started doing the together thing? We started doing it together. What would happen if people stopped feeling alone and felt like they were a part of something? See, a lot of times we try to do this thing by ourselves and we can't. We don't have the strength. You get tired. It gets hard. Anybody try to move a couch by yourself? I just moved. Let me tell you, it's not easy. I had some friends help me put it up. But then when Rachel's like, I want it here. No, we're going to do it here. Actually, Chris, you know what? I look better over here because this wall will be this color. I'm like, good Lord. And it's not easy. But if I had more people with me, if it was 1130 at night, can't be calm people at 1130. But when we do it together, it's so much better. So much better than doing it alone. See, the point is simple. When we begin to come together, when we begin to work together, God uses us a lot more. God moves more. There's power in unity. There is power in the numbers and the masses coming together. See, the early church, they were devoted to Christ. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. The early church, they were, they were devoted to, to the word, to doctrine. There was no other words needed. The early church, they were devoted to fellowship. They knew that there was something special about being together. And the early church, they were devoted to prayer. Verse 42. When they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, prayer... Prayer was important to the early Christians in the early church. They didn't just pray at the end of a meal. They didn't just pray at the beginning of something. They prayed till it broke through. They prayed till the chains would fall off. They would pray till demons would flee. They would pray till there was no more bondage in this person's life. They didn't just say, oh, you're healed, you're good, all right, we're going to stop now. No, no. Oh, you feel better, you're good, your cold's gone? All right, well, I'm going to go over and pray for somebody. No, they prayed through it. They kept praying. They s- never stopped praying. And what did we just talk about that? The Lord left us. The Holy Spirit. They didn't just pray, God, here it is, it's all yours. But they prayed in the Spirit. They walked in the things that the Lord had. It shouldn't weird you out that God left his Spirit for you. See, we were at camp a couple weeks ago, two weeks of camp, two whole weeks of camp, one week with middle school, one week with high school, two whole weeks of camp, two whole weeks of camp food, two whole weeks outside in the hot, moist South Carolina sun, two whole weeks. There was one week and one night in particular where I won't ever forget it. We were standing there, and the pastor's up there, and he's preaching the word. And he says, right now, we're going to stop, and we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for healing. And there, there were most people whose hands went up, and they said all these different things that were wrong with them. And there was this girl, her ear, her ear, and she was like, she was like deaf. She couldn't hear. And um, so we began to pray for her, you know? begin to lay hands on her and go, you know what, we believe that God can open these ears. We believe that God can do that right now in this moment. 
And so she starts to freak out. And we're like, whoa, what's wrong? And she could suddenly hear. She could suddenly begin to hear the sounds of worship. Let that, let that resonate with you. She began to hear. This morning, this morning, I don't think we're all physically deaf, but I think we're spiritually deaf. I think we're wanting to hear things that make us feel good. We're wanting to hear things that fit our plan. We're wanting to hear things that fit how we want to do things. But there's a clear warning that that's not how it's going to be. That we have to stay true to the word of God. That we have to stay true to what the scripture says. And even says that you will endure hardships. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say when you hear these things that are going to be hard that it'd be easy. See on this beautiful Sunday morning until it rains. I wonder how many of us are still spiritually deaf. I wonder how many of us are not hearing what God wants us to hear. I wonder how many of us are wanting to hear God say, okay, you know what? You can love this way. You can drink and just get a little bit drunk. I wonder how many of us are wanting to hear these things that tickle our ear, that sound good to us. Because this morning, I'm here to tell you that you're not going to hear that. That the Lord clearly says in his word, be sober-minded in all things so that you can be ready See, there's a moment where the church is about to go under a lot of scrutiny. There's a moment when the church is going to have to take a stand in all these things. There's a moment when the church has got to stop bending over back and say, okay, we'll do that. Okay. No, no, no. See, Jesus wasn't this weak little man. Jesus was 100% man, but 100% God. You have to realize that Jesus didn't just bend over backwards and, and break and do all the things that they told him to do because it was fun. See, Jesus knew that he would endure these hardships so we could 2,000 years later look back and go, whoa, we're going to take some junk. We're going to get hit around a little bit. We're going to have to stand strong in our beliefs. Amen. We're going to have to stop swaying to the world and go, well, they legalized this, so we'll, we'll let that one pass. No. As a generation, as someone who's going to lead in this generation, we're not going to stand for whatever the law is. We're going to stand for what the law of God is. See, this morning, a lot of us are deaf to what God has for us. A lot of us don't want to hear what his word really says. A lot of us get a little nervous when we begin to hear him say, all right, you're going to give this up. You're going to change this relationship. You're going to start walking in this because it makes us nervous. It makes us scared. But this morning... On this day, there's no more excuses. As for me and my house, as for me and my church, we're going to stand in what the Word of God says. See, this morning, I could give you a list of things that would help you be a better Christian or a Christ follower. But at the end of the day, the number one thing is, we got to quit. We got to quit being deaf to what God has for us. We got to quit. We got to stop trying to ignore these signs and wonders that God's trying to go, okay, it's time for you to stand. Okay, it's time for you to lead. Okay, you, you know what? How about you stand up in your school and you proclaim the gospel? How about you stand up at your work and you say, you know what? I'll live for Jesus and that's okay. Because he never leaves or forsakes us. So why is it the moment things get hard, we want to back away from Jesus? Why is it the moment that things get difficult, we want to depend on what the world can offer rather than what God can give us? See, I don't know about you, but I look forward to the day when I stand in front of God and he's like, Chris, Chris, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, Chris, when the world got hard, when they tried to legalize everything, when they tried to say this was okay or this was good, you said, no, 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 the word says it. It was already perfect the way he made it. See, I'm not scared to stand up for my faith. I'm not scared to die for my faith because I know there's a moment, there's a day approaching when I will stand before the Lord and he will say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, this morning, 
This morning, it's time that we stand. It's time that we proclaim the good news. It's time that we don't just leave the church and feel good and then go about our week and then come back again to tickle our ears and feel good. It's time that we take a stand and we really do this thing. It's time that we take a stand and proclaim his good news. It's time to take a stand and we stop introducing our own thoughts, our own opinions, our own things. Let's look what the word of God says and introduce that. This week, let us open our word and go, oh wait, you already created it perfect. It says it right here, in the beginning. So the way I want to end today, the way I want to close this morning out, is when you're ready, not the person next to you, not the person in the back or the balcony, wherever you're at, but when you're ready, when you're ready to get off your phone, when you're ready to stop looking around, when you're ready to put your eyes on the one thing that matters, when you're ready to say, I'll take a stand, I'll do this, I'm in. We're going to begin to worship, but there's a difference between worshiping just to get by and worshiping because you serve the God who cannot be shaken. See, there's a difference. See, this morning, the God I serve doesn't buckle and doesn't budge. The God I serve is faithful. The king that I serve told me it was going to be hard, but it'd be worth it. That one day I would walk on these streets of gold with him. That one day I would stand in his presence for all of eternity. The day is approaching. Let us be ready. Let us be sober-minded. Let us know what the word says. This morning, as they begin to worship, as they begin to lead, don't wait on them to sing whatever words they sing. Let's sing our own song to God. Let's focus our hearts and our eyes on the Lord. Let's lift up a shout of praise because we serve a God that can't be shaken. Because we serve a God that made it very clear, this is love. This is peace. This surpasses all knowledge. This surpasses everything. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.